0: So the title I was given for this is God who lives in you and it could also easily be called Christ who dwells in your heart and that Christ may dwell in all of our hearts more fully is basically the substance of my talk this morning. And I want first to just give a very brief paragraph to context this fantastic letter, Ephesians. Unfortunately, I didn't have the leaflet you now have, um, which makes it easier, but just for this morning. It's thought to be a circular letter that Paul intended to be sent to all the Christian churches. It wasn't just for the Ephesians. Um, And the first three chapters explain the plans and purposes of God um, and are for us to know who we are and what we have in Christ. And the last two chapters are about how we should act and function to spread the good news of God's kingdom effectively. And actually, it's also, as you read it, it's a little bit like a church service. It starts with praise, goes through prayer. There's a big bit on preaching, then it's back, Paul can't help moving into prayer and finishing with praise. In fact, it's overwhelmingly a letter about the incredible love that Christ has for us. So our very short four lines today are the start of a powerful prayer that Paul gives for all Christians. So looking at this prayer, how seriously should we take this particular prayer? How important is it? Well, The way that Paul starts is saying, I bow my knees, I kneel before the Father. Now, for us, posture in prayer in our culture isn't very important. In this church alone, you see people sitting, kneeling, standing to pray, and it doesn't really matter. But in their day, standing was the norm. And the only times that you hear right through the Bible of people kneeling is when there's an exceptional degree of earnestness about the prayer. Bible people who prayed on their knees were very earnest. And although there are other examples, there are two key ones. When Jesus was in Gethsemane, he was about to be tortured and crucified. When Stephen was about to be stoned to death both desperate situations. So since Paul fell to his knees to make this prayer, we should probably take it very seriously indeed. So what's the goal of the prayer? The reading starts with, for this purpose. So when you look back to see what purpose, that's the whole of the first section, the first three chapters, and that explains God's purpose. And to sort of sum it up as neatly as I can, it's to bring all things, Jews and Gentiles, everything in heaven and on earth, in fact, the whole universe under Christ. Christ to be the center, the unifier, the unifying force, the unifying person. Now, when I was given these first three verses of the prayer without the last three, I was, to be honest, a tiny bit disappointed. I wasn't going to get those really exciting bits that come in the next three all about the incredible love that God has but although there are four prayer requests in all in truth the great request he makes is important one because it's the, the request that we will be strengthened through power, through Christ's inner being so that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith and if we haven't got that We cannot understand about the love of God. If we don't have in our inner being a deeper and deeper understanding and experience, we can't get to a deeper and deeper understanding of God's love. And this is everything. Christ dwelling in our hearts. When we truly experience the fullness of the love of Christ then we will reflect more intensely as a church as a body the unity and the harmony and the peace and the love of Christ and more effectively spread the good news of Christ in fact it's the great commission go out come to me and take me out of the overflow of understanding Christ's love Paul is really praying earnestly we we would get this. He's praying the kingdom would come in us. The kingdom would come through us. So, that Christ would dwell in our hearts. And dwell, I'm no Greek scholar, but I've read this bit. So there are two similar words, and for Greek scholars, I can't actually pronounce them properly, but the first one looks like it's pronounced paroikeo, paroiko. And this one is the weaker word, and it means to stay as a stranger, as a visitor, possibly a foreigner away from his home. So, popping in, visiting your granny, visiting someone en route to somewhere else. It's temporary. The second, and that's the word that is used for Christ may dwell in our hearts, is katoikeo, and this is a strong word. It means to settle down somewhere It means permanency, permanent home, not temporary. It's used in other parts of the Bible for the fullness of the Godhead abiding in Christ and for Christ abiding in us. The same thing. The degree that Jesus abides in the Father is the same as Christ abiding in us that deep, that close. It means residence, not lodging. It's the home of a master in the home he owns, not visiting us. He's not visiting us. He's taking up residence. He wants the key to the house. He wants the deeds to the house. He wants to be in charge. So I don't know about you. I've visited various people. And sometimes you go and you really do get that welcome, you are made to feel at home, aren't you? Come in, you know, don't worry if the, you know, oh, bit of sand on the floor, never mind, we'll cover that up later. Um, what would you like to eat? Make the fridge your own, get up when you like. You feel comfy, you, you're happy to stay there. And if they're not careful, you might stay quite long. And, and then, I've also stayed, actually quite recently, um, on a tour of my many relatives, I uh, stayed in one place where I just felt a little eggshelly. Oh, I just, oh, I, I think that's his special chair. And um, yeah, oh dear, oh, my husband's left a bit of a mess in the kitchen, and I better tidy that up before she comes down. And, and you don't feel as welcome, do you? So I wonder what kind of home we're offering Jesus. Are we offering him that incredible welcome? Take over. I know I'm not always, and there are many areas. I'm not very keen to let him take over. And just on that note, I just discovered, I think this was written in the 1950s, the most amazing gem of a book called My Heart, Christ's Home by someone called Robert Boyd Munger. And and it's about his journey of experiencing God. And he takes god into different rooms and there's and it's on one level you can read it in 10 minutes and in another level you could read it a little piece at a time over weeks and take in about letting god into your heart so jesus when he comes to dwell he does come to give us his peace and his love and his comfort but he does come to rule and he says It's not just Paul saying this. Jesus said it himself. He said, if a man loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. And it's very similar. He started off earlier saying, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, you may dwell. He's going going into heaven. He's preparing a house for us. And he says, in the same way as I'm going to make that welcome for you and that home there, it's possible for me to prepare a place for myself in your heart now in the same way he would come and make his home with us right here. It's a taste of heaven on earth and how often do I dismiss that as not important and it's heaven on earth that I'm not making time for. So, Christ dwelling in you, and then it says, through faith, Christ accepted through faith. It's an incredible thing that Christ, God, the creator of the universe, would humble himself and enter into us. But I think it's even more incredible that he would enter by so small a thing as our faith. And some of us may have very little faith right now. But I think about the sun. Do you know, I've just discovered, it is... Uh, roughly 1,300,000 times bigger than the earth, you could put the earth into it that many times. And yet this huge sun can enter into the smallest, darkest room by the tiniest, tiniest chink. And I know that because I have faulty blinds in my bedroom. Christ can also come in to our hearts through a chink or a suspicion or a maybe of faith in him. If you're not even quite sure you believe that God exists, you can still ask him in through that questioning, doubting little chink in your heart. And gradually, as we open the blinds or open the curtains, he can come in in greater power. Now, if you're already a Christian, if you have accepted this incredible sacrifice of his death on the cross to take away your sins, then yes, obviously Christ, as you know, already does dwell in you. But Paul is actually speaking of praying for indwelling with power. It's being continually filled on an ongoing basis with the Spirit of Christ. See, I find that anything I want to do for Christ, it's not that great if I haven't actually given time to just being in his presence. I can pray about it, I can pray, I can ask, yes, and that's great, but actually experiencing just being with him receiving him receiving his love without even perhaps saying anything the greats the real great names you know the Hudson Taylors the Mother Teresa's many other names you could mention it seems when you read about them that they actually spent much more time being with God than doing for God but look at the power they got to do it and it's from that intimacy And we can't do it without intimacy. We can't, you know, he said, without me, you can do nothing. You've got to stay in the vine. How do you stay in the vine? You have to be present with him. And then he'll give this incredible power. And you notice there's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit involved. The Father strengthening, the Spirit strengthening, Jesus indwelling, they're all there. Therefore, When Jesus is dwelling in you, Jesus says, on that day, you will realize that I, Jesus, am in my Father, and you're in me, and I am in you. I and the Father are one. So when Christ's indwelling, by the power of the Spirit, you have the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You have God in you. How can I, as I do, frequently take it for granted. It's intimacy. It's intimacy. Someone dwelling in our hearts that Jesus wants now. My husband, Paul and I, live in the same home. We both dwell there. But I've only recently retired and we really don't know how to live together in the same home yet. Well, actually, we do because we've been married 41 years come last Monday. But until now, for many years, you see, I was working full time, and he was a local councillor. So, I left the house six six thirty while he was still asleep. I got back often quite late. He was either already out or he was about to go out, passing in the night. By the time he came in, I was asleep waiting to get up in the morning and go away again. And then on Sunday and Saturday, we very often did different things. We worship in different churches. He was visiting, blah, blah, blah. And we have different interests as well. So now we are doing this very difficult thing of learning how to live together, learning how to build intimacy back into the relationship, deliberately making that magic word time to be together and it is not always easy making time putting the relationship quite often before something we would possibly rather be doing if we're honest and then when we do spend time we go should have done this more often it's quite good isn't it So how do we get more intimacy into our relationship with Jesus? Well, I don't know about you, but I've sometimes read the Bible, gone to church, prayed for people's needs, listened to sermons, and they could have been amazing preachers, and I thought that was great. And I go home, and when I do a rain check, hmm, did I listen? Yes. Did I learn something new about God or his people? Yes. Can I remember some of it? Yes. And do I feel quite pleased I gave God my time? Yes. And do I even feel a little smug? Sometimes, yes. And then, did I really, really connect with God? Sometimes, yes. Or, was I just thinking about him? Now, there's nothing wrong with that, but is it all he wants? No. He wants to dwell intimately in our heart. So being a teacher, I believe we learn a lot more by practicing and doing. So I'm going to give us a little bit of time spending, Emily, Emily, I'll need you. Uh, Spending two or three minutes with God so I'm going to explain what we're going to do it won't be embarrassing we're going to sit exactly where we are with our eyes closed and just give a little bit of time to the Holy Spirit to come so Emily's going or one of them is going to play (laughs) two of them are going to play a short piece of music while we're doing this in the background it's it just it may help you to concentrate if it doesn't just don't worry about it Um, and we'll ask the Holy Spirit to come and fill us with the Spirit of Christ so we can intentionally experience Jesus in our own inner being now some of you might be really experienced in this uh, practicing the presence of God and if that's you just enjoy the space for some of you it might be new and it may feel a little odd or you may think you're no good at it or that you're not going to be any good at it well welcome to my world, I'm not good at it. But I've started giving him a little bit of time anyway, every day if I can, and sometimes I feel the presence of Jesus very strongly, and sometimes not. I've stopped worrying, and that's really helped me, I've stopped worrying about whether I get anything out of it. But I'm letting Jesus love me, and he gets something out of it, and sometimes we both do. I've started small with a few minutes each time, and I can't yet, yet, I can't yet, the magic word, um, do it for a long period of time. So what I'm doing is setting up a few minutes here, and then maybe later in the day, a few minutes there. So what we'll do is the music lasts about three minutes. After the music has finished, we'll just sit in the quiet and let him love us for a short while, and then I'll close the sermon with a prayer. So let's start. It's easier to sit comfortably with your legs uncrossed and then just shut your eyes. And you don't have to, but you might want to place your palms up. It's a sign of openness. And if you don't want to do any of it, if you just sit quietly, that'd be great. So, and and by the way, if there are any children and they make a noise, that's okay. Jesus said, let the children come to me. So take a moment to take a few breaths and steady your thoughts. Maybe you could think about being in a comfy place in your home or somewhere else where you can picture sitting with Jesus, being there together, Jesus in the home of your heart, his home, where he feels settled on the sofa and there's a sense of intimacy between you and him. Just be with him. You don't need to say anything. And let him love you. Come Holy Spirit. Father, thank you that we're able to fix our eyes on Jesus. I pray that out of your glorious riches, you will strengthen us all with power through your spirit deep inside our hearts so that we'll allow Christ to dwell ever more fully in each of us. Would you grow our feeble faith and fan into flame that small desire to spend time with you and help us to take practical steps to make time in our lives for you and for your glory to help bring your kingdom under Christ? Amen.